For Love of Sandwiches, a good omens potvik, written by Skaya Zimaru and read by Ja. Meet Aziraphale. The house had been abandoned for years before Crowley moved into it. Much of the previous owner's furniture was still there, old and dusty. Some pieces were covered in ragged sheets, but more were not, left to the unfriendly elements of time in a draughty old house. A few well-loved toys lay strewn about, a dollhouse, a tea-set, a collection of soft animals. Crowley thought they looked creepy. He flicked up the light switch in the living room, blinking behind his sunglasses as the bulbs flickered to life, then took in his surroundings with a grimace. No wonder this house had a reputation as haunted, which was how he got it for such a good deal. Crowley did not believe in ghosts, nor fairies, nor any other manner of supernatural thing. But he sure did believe in a good deal, and the garden outside was promising enough to make up for any shortcomings of the house itself. He dropped his duffel bag next to the door, then, keeping his boots on, for now, he crossed the dusty floor into the kitchen, jostling the paper grocery bag onto his other arm. He flicked on the light switch in the kitchen and winced. The patterned green wallpaper would be the first thing to go, he decided, its putrid dark spots reminding him of sickly toads in a pond. The house may have been a steel, but the work required to make it livable would be considerable. He could already tell. He placed the groceries down on the counter, then pulled his phone from his back pocket. With a sigh, he dialed his assistant anathema. She was the one with all the connections, really. Ley lines, she called them, something to do with how fast she could find the best of the best in getting any job done. Anathema, he started the moment their lines connected. This place is not as move-in ready as was advertised. Well, what do you expect? You asked for a place that was furnished and available to move into immediately. Hard to come by in the middle of winter and Hatfield. Crowley sighed. His research had led him to Tadfield, but his impatience to go ahead and get started with his work always seemed to be his undoing. Finished is not the word I'd use. There's just a couple of chairs and some creepy old stuff in here. Oh, stop bellyaching. You're the one that wanted to get there before the moving van even left, not to mention the interior decorator. And so they debated for a while, their friendly banter layered under professional assessments and reassurances. After arranging a carpenter, plumber, electrician, and interior designer to come over the next afternoon, Crowley pressed the end call button on his phone and looked around. Well, it'll have to do, he sighed. He turned and shoved all the perishable groceries into the fridge. Thank 
goodness, that was still working, and was relatively clean to boot, then he left the rest on the counter. The dry goods could wait until morning. He trudged up the stairs to look for the bedroom. A large four-poster bed loomed in the darkness, and after ripping the dust cover off, he flopped down face first onto the pillows. Old musty smell be damned. He would unpack the rest of the things from the Bentley in the morning. Without another thought, he soon fell asleep. The first clue Crowley discovered that he was not alone was a tiny handkerchief left on the stair. Just a scrap of tissue, he thought at first, but when he picked it up, there it was, clear as a day, an embroidered set of initials led under a fine floral needlework that read A.Z. Fell. Strange, Crowley thought, looking at the letters closely. Perhaps miniature was some strange hobby the previous resident, however far back they had lived here, had taken up with. He ignored the fact that the handkerchief looked almost new, clean, and well cared for, a stark juxtaposition to the dusty, abandoned nature of the house. Instead, he put the cloth on the mantel and thought nothing more of it. The next clue was a piece of crumb cake missing from his plate. Crowley had just cut a slice for his breakfast, put it on the plate, then moved to the fridge to grab some milk for his coffee. When he came back, however, he noticed that a corner of the cake was missing. Odd, but definitely noticeable. He looked under the plate then around the counter, just to see if he had dropped the piece, not wanting crumbs on his counter, lest they attract bugs. But there was nothing there. The piece was just gone, spirited away somehow. Along with several other things, he soon found out. It took him a few days to realize it, but small, innocuous things started going missing. Finding two lumps of sugar, where he had sworn he had set three aside for his tea. A bar of soap, suddenly a sliver shorter than it was, when he had left it the last time he washed his hands. His wine, noticeably a quarter inch lower than the level he remembered putting it down at, before he stepped away to flip through his record collection. And sometimes, as he played set records, he noticed the volume inexplicably lowering itself the longer the songs wound on, particularly those by the velvet underground. There was something in his house. Something beside him living here but he didn't put his finger on it until, one day, quite literally, it snuck into a sandwich. Crowley stared at the bread on his plate. There were two slices there, yes, but also a bulge between the two slices. He still had the sheaf of lettuce he'd plucked from the fridge dumbfounded. I... 
see you, you know, Crowley said. So, you can come out now. A muffled, oh dear, emitted from between the bread slices. Crowley blinked. He hadn't expected an answer. Then his eyes grew wide as a small figure crawled out from between the two slices. It was a man, no taller than Crowley's hand, wearing a tan waistcoat and beige trousers with a white button-down collar shirt, as well as a ridiculous and adorable tartan bow-tie and sensible brown leather shoes. He had the brightest blue eyes Crowley had ever seen, and a shock of fluffy white hair on top of his head that looked soft as a cloud. Crowley swallowed. There was a brownie in his sandwich. No, that sounded weird. Crowley amended his thoughts with a shake of his head. There was a brownie hiding in his sandwich. He sighed. That sounded worse somehow. Hello there, the brownie smiled with a smile and a wave. Uh, hi, Crowley waved awkwardly back, the lettuce leaf rustling. You're, um, uh, the brownie gave Crowley a look, as if to say, go on, out with it. Crowley swallowed with difficulty. A brownie. Oh, the brownie chuckled. Goodness, is that what you humans are calling us now? Brownie. I must admit that does have a nice ring to it. Much nicer than bogey or devil or sprite even. Borrowers, another term I've heard. A little person is just a bit too on the nose. He patted the grumps off of his trousers then pulled on the hem of his waistcoat. Well, I suppose proper introductions are in order. He held out his hand. My name is Aziraphale. Crowley shook it, or at least his pinky automatically lowered for Aziraphale to clasp in both his small hands and rock up and down. Crowley, he answered numbly. Well, it's very nice to meet you, Crowley, Aziraphale smiled, eyes twinkling. I don't suppose I can now ask you to forget about me, can I? It's just brownie roots and all. We're not supposed to be seen. Crowley wouldn't have noticed him at all, were it not for the twitch of bread slices and the sound of someone enjoying a good meal from within them. To be fair, he muttered, you were eating my sandwich. Kind of hard to ignore. He tilted his head. Uh, how long have you been here? Oh, I've lived in this house for years, and I would have stayed out of sight and left you alone, but then you brought in all this good food, simply scrumptious, and I I just couldn't help myself. Aziraphale sighed, wringing his hands. 
It's been ages since I had a good cup of tea. The old woman who used to live here, Agnes Nutter her name was, she left the cupboards completely empty when she left. His face grew sullen. I think she knew she was never coming back. Crowley balked. Wait, the Agnes Nutter? Did you know her? The prophetess? Zerafil nodded. I'm doing research on her, but she died decades ago. He paused. What have you been living off since then? Oh, you know, Zerafil waved his hand left and right. This and that. The occasional raspberry from the garden. Tree roots, that sort of thing. A good-sized potato can last me a week, though between you and me, potatoes are rather blunt without any salt left in the house. Holds nothing to a spot of tea and some cake, though. Aziraphale gave him a pitiful pout, eyes cast upwards like a puppy begging for treats. Crowley felt his heart begin to race. Uh, so, I don't suppose you'd be interested in sharing? Crowley cleared his throat, which was dry as bone now for some reason. <clears throat> There's no rules against that, is there? Not everything you eat or use has to be stolen, does it? Aziraphale scoffed. Oh, that's nonsense. I'm afraid you've confused me with a harpy, my dear, and I don't appreciate it. But since you're offering... He ran his fingers, manicured, Crowley noticed, through his hair. I wouldn't mind partaking with you. And a cup of tea, if you don't mind. Truth be told, the only rule that must never be broken is one I've already broken. Crowley smiled. What, to never be seen? Zerafield's smile wavered. Never trust a human. When Crowley simply stared at him, he shuffled side to side. Oh dear, I fear I may have overstepped. He turned and began to walk away quickly. On second thought, it would be a complete nightmare were the Brownie Council to find out about this. There would be so much paperwork. I'm sorry, but I'm afraid I'll have to leave after all. Wait, don't go, Crowley blurted out. Stay. I promise I won't tell a soul. He fought for the courage to say what he really wanted to. Always a challenge for him. Stay for lunch, at least. Perhaps we can come to some sort of an arrangement. Aziraphale turned back to him with a smile. And Crowley felt his heart stumble and skid across some unforeseen finish line. Oh, he had so much to learn about this world. But first he was going to finish making his sandwich, and then make one for Xerophil, too.
The end.